0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Thanks for that, Preston. We're going to start with a reading from Mark 10. Luke's our host. He's going to offer the microphone to a volunteer who can read the passage. Anyone want to read it?
1: They came to Jericho. Is this on? As he he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way.
0: Thank you, Megan. Join me in prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. In elementary school, I remember my fourth-grade teacher reading us, maybe you know this book, The K, by Theodore Taylor. You know this book? I haven't read it in a long time, and I wonder what I would think of it now if I read it. But there's a part that sticks with me quite a bit. Um, Can you get that slide of it? There it is. Stories of a shipwrecked boy named Philip and a black man named Timothy and their journey together. Late 1960s is when this was written, so it's kind of dubbed as a racial harmonizer in some ways. Civil rights era, you can imagine the time. And critics disagree about its cultural impact. I think the story helps us with prejudice that we hold and how we might overcome it. Philip brings his mom's anti-black racism to to the situation and frankly shares it with Timothy, but in the story, Philip eventually suffers blindness. And it is through his blindness that he can finally see Timothy as a fellow human being. And Philip's blindness requires him to rely on Timothy for help and their racialized dynamic changes. And the portion of the book that stuck out to me was... As a child, when I heard this as as a child, I was very surprised by it. So after Philip is blinded, slowly his other senses increase, you know, like that's what happens with Daredevil too. So if you don't like this book, I guess you could think about Daredevil. But his sense of hearing in particular improves dramatically. And his body his body ends up compensating for lost senses and attunes him to his surroundings in a new way. In this way, his blindness, in fact, gives him an advantage in some ways when, when, for, from when he could see. And while his blindness helps him shed his prejudice, it also leads him to relate and understand the world in new ways. Blindness, then, is not just a negative characteristic, but something that brings a new perspective to us. I want to hold that literary image as we work through today's passage, because I want us to see blindness in a new way, instead of merely seeing it as a negative characteristic or as a curse, which would be common in Jewish culture, and to a large extent, Greco-Roman culture yet, Greek-Roman culture. The writer of the Gospel of Mark might be telling us something new about blindness as well. And as we learn from our disabled friends, maybe we will see things, so to speak, in a new way too. Maybe they'll give us a new way of seeing, a new way of knowing, a new way of being. So rather than offering a negative connotation to the blindness that the man in the story is experiencing many disability theologians these are theologians that specialize in disability studies and how it intersects with theology and the Bible and so on and also feminist theologians who through their experience as women relate to the Bible and to God and disability theology and feminist theology are connected very closely Instead of offering a negative connotation, they suggest finding value in him as an individual instead of as somebody with a negative characteristic. So this is a reinterpretation, but it's appropriate and necessary to do this as we receive the words of the Bible in our context, as much as it was important for the readers of Mark for the first time to read it in their context. So we read it in ours just like they would receive it in theirs. It's important to understand the original context of the story, and we can get into that. And I, I might a little bit today, but in general, that's important. Because the context that it's told in matters, but it's also important to our context and to offer our, uh, uh, receive the Bible as it speaks to us now. Because the Bible is alive in that sense, and we are participants in this interpretation. So the Bible is like a dance partner with us. It, and it's it's it, it. We come to it equipped with communal and spiritual discernment. So, what you think about this is as, is is as meaningful as what I think about it. And we're also bringing in different voices of both disability and feminist theologians. Just like Philip in the K, developed further because of his blindness. Let's look to see how Bartimaeus has developed. So let's go back to the passage. It should be the next slide, Bryant. What's that? Oh, it is working. Oh, we're going to get to Well, here's a map. That's fun. This passage marks the end of the travel narrative in Mark. So we've been working through that for the last few weeks. Last week we took a break when Melissa joined us. They're leaving Jericho. Jericho's here, right? 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. So that's just to give you an idea of how small the territory is. That little thing is only 15 miles. 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem, six miles north of the Dead Sea, and seven miles west of the Jordan River. Okay, So the Jordan River is right here, right? There's the Dead Sea, there's Jerusalem. Jericho's there. A marginalized place where Jesus finds a marginalized person and brings him along the way. His way, the way of the Lord, is made up of marginalized people. And he accepts the oppressed among them as they accept him. As they leave Jericho, which, is, which also means moon, the place of the moon, symbolizing maybe a drawing to an end and moving closer to the passion of Jesus, an end of a day is happening. And a crowd follows him and they encounter a man named Bartimaeus, which, which Mark gives us the translation of Bartimaeus, means son of Bartimaeus, blind beggar. He is, so we learn something about him. He is impoverished and disabled. Perhaps his disability is what has impoverished him. And he is only one of the people named in the gospel of Mark that Jesus encounters. And so the personal nature of this relationship is meaningful. The man is sitting by the roadside, okay? But here, roadside carries theological weight because later on in the passage, the same term, "hado" is used to describe the way of Jesus. So the man is sitting beside the way. He is close to following in another way, right? So this word right here, where it says roadside here, sitting by the roadside, is the same word as followed him in the way. Same exact word, okay? So, so receive that, um, what I would say, there's a connection happening there. He's sitting beside the way. He's getting close to the way. Feel me? When he recognizes that it is indeed Jesus of Nazareth, and by the way, how does he recognize that it's Jesus of Nazareth? What does this say? What's the verb? He hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth. There's his sense of hearing happening. He uses a new title for Jesus, That is not yet used in Mark's gospel. Son of David is a term you might use to describe Jesus. I mean, I don't know if you actually call Jesus that, but you might be familiar with that term describing Jesus. And we get it because in Luke and Matthew, there are genealogies that connect King David to the line of Jesus. But there is no genealogy in the gospel of Mark. And this is the uh, earliest gospel we have. And so he calls him son of David. That's interesting. That's the first time that Jesus has named that in this Gospel. The blind man hears again that it's Jesus of Nazareth and he knows that he is much more than Jesus the Nazarene. He's the son of David. This man is proving he is wise in his own right because he is seeing Jesus as something much more than what is apparent. He uses the royal title for Jesus, one fit for the, the uh, King Solomon. The uh, son of David par excellence is King Solomon, right? Um, another son of David. And in, in this moment, Solomon would be known as a magician and a healer and someone with a lot of wisdom. And so now this wise man, Bartimaeus, is calling Jesus son of David too. With the expectation of healing and liberation in a way that no one else sees. In chapter eight, remember that Peter, indeed called Jesus the Messiah, then rebuked Jesus for what he was going to do. And then in chapter nine, given the same opportunity, the disciples don't say anything. But Bartimaeus names Jesus as the son of David. Bartimaeus then sees sees Jesus for who he is perhaps because he is attuned to knowing who Jesus is and why attuned, because, not in spite, because of his disability. Jesus' disciples struggle with this very identification of Jesus and they can see. The blind man shows us something new and the way he sees and knows the world is different and it's important to pay attention to because it is his poverty and his oppression that makes him connected more and knowing who Jesus is. So it's often seen as a curse, but sometimes blindness, especially in Greek, Greco-Roman culture, is a mysterious quality. And sometimes the blind are revered or given special gifts. One interpreter even suggested that Bartimaeus is acting as a prophet here by naming Jesus as who he truly is. And again, when he says son of David, shouting it, the crowd rebukes him. But the man ignores them and continues to cry out to Jesus. His belief, perhaps rooted in his desperation for liberation, motivates him to continue to shout to Jesus to get his attention. And Jesus stops and calls him over. And the disciples say, take heart. Stand up. Because Jesus is calling him, and just like he called, his disciples early in Mark, Jesus summons him as a disciple, as a faithful person, who despite his poverty, and despite his disability, can stand up for his own right. There's a liberation in that. Come forward, stand up, make yourself known. And then what does he do? He gets up and he throws off his cloak. Why does he get rid of his garment? Why is that significant? Because Jesus asks his disciples to leave behind their possessions, to depart from their families even, to follow him. Even this poor blind man, described as a beggar, has something to get rid of. And he knows it. Jesus tells him to discard the garment, and he knows. And in doing so, he stands up for his own dignity as an oppressed member of the society. You remember also in chapter 10, when Jesus talks to the rich man to get rid of his... The blind man knows to do that right away. So there's something happening with Bartimaeus. He sees and knows and wants to follow Jesus. This man's faith in his condition and how his society oppresses him makes him a the disciple of Jesus. The oppressed and the impoverished, the impoverished disabled here are ready to follow Jesus in a special way, in a new light because of their oppression. He runs to Jesus, ready to follow him, and Jesus asks him, what does he want him to do? What What do you want me to do? And the man wants to see again, and Jesus tells him this, your faith has saved you. technical note, the NRSV New Revised Standard version of the Bible is the one I like to use I changed that word saved, healed because the word there really does connect to salvation more than physical healing and there's no healing or touching word here and so it it often is translated as saved too so there's something happening here where there's a greater liberation and salvation happening beyond the healing. And the man is healed because he desires to be healed. His faith in Jesus and his faith in knowing who the son of David is heals him. And healing isn't enough. He follows in the way. He follows in the way of Jesus. He does what he needs to do. He names Jesus as who he is, gets rid of his stuff, and follows Jesus. This fits into a Mark's greater idea of faith being essential to following Jesus. That's the point of that's the that's Mark positions this in the travel narrative where where faith demonstrated by a, a heart condition more than a physical healing more than a miracle is what makes someone a faithful disciple. So Mark uses this story, which, by the way, is also repeated in Mark and Matthew and Luke and fits kind of their narratives more. Mark puts it here to demonstrate how to follow in the way. So it fits into this greater idea of faith being an essential part of following Jesus and accepting the least among us to be faithful. Jesus invites him on the way to take up his cross and follow him. And in the next chapter, it's the triumphal entry. So this is the end. Then we're going, it's Palm Sunday, and we're walking into the cross. The healing here is actually incidental to the man's faith and how his faith and knowing who Jesus is helped him to follow Jesus. And Jesus is, again, entering a death walk now, and he's gathering up the faithful ones around him. He is finding people who are faithful when his disciples so far in many ways aren't, and his disciples will fall away by the end of Mark, he's finding those who will follow with him. So this is a comfort to Mark's oppressed and persecuted audience. Discipleship means following Jesus and being ready to let go of what we need to. Discipleship means listening to Voices who can see and identify and connect with Jesus in unique ways and helping them form who we are. This blind man has a because of his, disci- dis- his disability. It is then incumbent upon us to listen to and censure the disabled. They can show us something new about who we are and how to follow Jesus. They uniquely name Jesus because they uniquely relate to him. There isn't something wrong with them, but they are rather like the blind man who have been given an ability because of their disability. Something new is happening. And we learned that to an extent as a church over the last almost two years. One thing the pandemic taught us was consciousness about who we were excluding because of our own ableism. And it gave us an opportunity to live and learn from people who are disabled. And that's one of the reasons why we have a Zoom broadcast. That's one of the reasons why we're vaccinated and masked, right? To protect the immunocompromised, to protect the vulnerable, to try to include everyone. How disabled people work through their desire for wholeness and salvation and healing is a personal matter and one they can decide to pursue. With their help, we can create an environment where they're being uplifted and listened to and followed as they follow in the way. And their wholeness and healing may look different. It may look like changing our society or changing our church to no longer oppress them. So we can adapt our society and our church so that being disabled is not oppressive. It may mean changing how our economy works so they aren't impoverished. It may mean providing them with health care so that we can ease their pain and suffering. And maybe for all of us it means forming ourselves according to how they call Jesus and learning how to take up our cross as well. Let me pray and then we'll do some talk back, okay? Give us the faith of the son of Timaeus, Lord see you and know you and be able to name you, even when people rebuke us for doing, may we come back and shout again to you, Son of Man, Son of God, Son of David. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.